favorite thriller. Presented by The Thriller Fiction Podcast. Jim Heskett talks to thriller authors about their favorite thriller books. And now, here's your host. Hello, I'm here today with thriller author Simon Wood. Hello, Simon. Hi, how you doing? (laughs) You may or may not see Simon's video. He's kind of in the matrix over there, but if I can figure out a way later to replace him with a giant teddy bear or something, I might do that in post-production. But for now, uh, Simon's webcam is not quite working. But anyway. Well, um, I'm in witness um, protection. (laughs) Right. Well, uh, is that how you got that accent? Yeah, yeah. They had to put me as far away. They put me in the colonies, you know. Right, so you're actually, well, you're from New Jersey, so the British accent is yeah. just... Uh... <laughs> it's all part of the disguise. <laughs> Here we go. Here, here's a little about Simon. USA Today best-selling author, Simon Wood is a California transplant from England. He's a former competitive race car driver, a licensed pilot, an endurance cyclist, endurance cyclist an animal rescuer, and occasional P.I., he shares his world with his American wife, Julie. Their lives are dominated by a long-haired dachshund and six cats. He's the Anthony Award-winning author of Accidents Waiting to Happen, Paying the Piper, Terminated, Deceptive Practices, and the 80 Westlake series. His latest book is Saving Grace, and his book The One That Got Away is currently optioned for a movie adaptation. He also writes horror under the pen name of Simon Janus. Curious people can learn more at simonwood.net. So I guess my first question is, when I was four years old, I really wanted to be a race car driver. So how did you make that happen? Um, it was I was about 19, and I was I actually used to street race a lot, and uh, and just go out trying to find someone who would chase me around town. And I I worked with a woman who was a paramedic, and her husband was a fireman who cut people out of cars and they said take it off the road and i just went to a track day and um and i did a a lot better than i expected and and about a couple of weeks later the guy who ran the race school said uh do you want to co-own a car and compete Hmm. next season and it just went from there wow so you Uh, just kind of stumbled into it huh yeah, I actually wanted to do uh, rally driving, which is like off-road driving, and I found I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> and um, but track stuff, you know, circuit racing, I kind of um, wasn't too bad at. So um, I raced for about three, three, four years uh, until I, like all race car drivers, you ran out of money, and you have to come to terms with the thing of like. Because you just become a little bit of a junkie, to be honest. Mm. You start viewing everything that you've got in terms of that's a new tire, that's a new set of tires, that's that's a race entry, and I just had this thing, this agreement with myself. If I had some really bit bad crash, then you know it was time to retire, and I retired on my 25th birthday. Mm. I I destroyed my tra- uh, car at. Uh, on the Grand Prix track at Brands Hatch and went, we're going home. <laughs> hmm. And and that that was it. I came back to it a couple of times uh, and and had other cars, but um, that sort of intense kind of three, four year period was uh, when I was the most serious about it. Wow. 
Well, so I, I do want to talk about uh, uh, um, your writing in the book you want to talk about today. But first, I got to say that I think a couple years ago you shared on Facebook, I think probably one of my favorite memes I've ever seen. Uh, it was it was a, a picture of a Christmas tree and presents under the tree and a roaring fire in the fireplace. And it said, uh, you know, pro tip for parents, uh, wrap up a bunch of empty boxes as presents. And if your kids misbehave, throw an empty box into the fire. Yeah, that was... Uh, it was it was horrible and hilarious at the same time. Well, I think I've always been a fan of that thing on uh, uh, the Jim Handy quote things that were on uh, Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. when he said, uh, take the kids to some sort of burnt down thing and tell them it's Disneyland. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just a riff off of that. That's awful. Anyway, so Simon, tell us a little bit about you and your writing. Um, I'm... Uh, I've been writing thrillers about 20 years now, um, published for about 16 or so. Um, I think the best way to describe what I do is um, I tend to write about ordinary people who are who are in extraordinary circumstances for the first time. Um, uh, a critic once said I write first-time heroes, and I thought that was a mm. good a good way of um, summing it up. So my people aren't professional crime fighters or um, crime preventers. They're just usually people who are just walking off the street. Um, It was one of those things I didn't really know at the beginning what I was writing. And um, I suddenly realized that um, I was such a fan of Hitchcock and I suddenly had this thing that I had this sort of epiphany that I liked what he did with that sort of thing of 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 someone being tested and it exposes human frailty weaknesses um and things like that and I I thought went I think this is my thing Hmm. I kind of feel that that's the thing I can write about because I think at the beginning I wanted to write like Raymond Chandler Mm mm-hmm and everything just came off as pastiche and 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 it didn't quite work but i kind of felt um because i think i've had so many kind of odd life experiences where it's like well that kind of came out of nothing and i've kind of drawn off of that and i think that's that's the flavor of the books i've read your book uh the one that got away a couple years ago and i very much enjoyed it um Thank you. But today we are talking about your favorite thriller, and the book that you told me you wanted to talk about is *Velocity* by Dean Koontz. So, um, can you give us like a little teaser or primer, uh, just a spoiler-free synopsis about what *Velocity* is about? Yeah, um, it's about a, a bartender called uh, Billy, who's kind of um, he's kind of hiding from life. Um, he was a writer and he did have like a bright future, but he has, he literally does have girlfriend in a coma and he's kind of retreated into be having this quiet life in, in Napa, California. And, um, just one day he just finds a note, um, that just says, um, if, if you don't take this note to the police, I will kill a lovely blonde school teacher. If you do, Instead, I will kill an elderly, active, in charities, uh, woman. Uh, you have six hours to decide. The choice is yours. 
and he goes through these various trials with this unknown killer who's kind of singled him out uh and it all sort of like leads to that there's a there is a reason for why he has been selected um for these sort of like uh damned if he does damned if he don't kind of challenges where he's got to make this moral uh decision over someone who's gonna who because it isn't the, the decision of someone that's gonna live or die it's gonna be who dies and i just thought that was uh an amazing um concept for a book and and the the book just once it starts at the beginning you kind of get the introduction to billy it just goes off and there's just no stopping it it and lives it, up to its title and it sounds quite a bit like what what you described that you write which is an, an ordinary person in an extraordinary circumstance because it doesn't sound like this this billy guy is ex special forces or an ex marine or no he has he has no um professional skills which is kind of what i kind of relate to but i think it also i ha- i have like a list of books i go damn i wish i'd written that and <laughs> and this is the one this is one of those that i went ah oh, i should have had that idea <laughs> and and done that it's just one of those that i kind of it does it does uh, strike a chord with me so is billy would you consider him to be a compelling character or is he's just sort of along for the ride in, a, in an intriguing and intricate plot. I think you've got someone who, who is haunted by life, you know, and it's one of those things when you're haunted, you know, you're making up the ghosts yourself and um, you're, you're seeing him being brought out of this sort of like um, life made cave that he's made around himself He's like, I'm going to hide from everybody. I'm going to hide from everything. I'm not going to face anything anymore. Uh, I'm just going to be this this bartender who knows everybody's name. Mm-hmm. In, so, and, and it's that thing of like, this uh, experience is dragging him out. It's making him um, see the world differently. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure I've read this book. I think I read it a few years ago, probably around the same time as I read his book Intensity, which was just a, um, an amazing adrenaline ride with like 10, 5, 10 pages of setup, and then the rest of it was just pure uh, nonstop action. And I think I read Velocity around the same time. And if I if I remember right, um, I'm going to be careful what I say here so we don't get into spoilers, but the villain does show up eventually, yes. right? Yeah, eventually you do have that standoff that he he has the uh, the face off with the with his with his nemesis. But it, you know, for the majority of it, it's just a, a you know a voice that is taunting him. But he does he does have the showdown. So since we can't really talk about the villain in this book without without uh, giving away a big plot point in the book. Let me just ask you a general question about villains as a thriller writer. How, how important do you think it is uh, for, for a thriller to have a great and compelling villain? Um, I think it, it, it is. And it's that thing that I've always been when I'm doing my own things is that it, I do believe in that thing that the villain believes they're the hero of their own story. Mm-hmm. You know whether they whether it's they've been jilted by a person or by circumstances or by life is that the, you know they're on this quest uh, just as much as the hero is. So if you want an entertaining uh, hero, I think you 
you also need an entertaining villain who's, um, you know, who's basically trying to do, you know, achieve something as well. Um, so, I, you know, it's that thing of like you need to have their little backstory and to be able to flesh them out because I think the worst thing is, is, is you know, it's someone is like, you know what, I'm just going to be a bad guy. <laughs> and that just doesn't just doesn't work. The old moustache twirling guy who just is out for villainy um, doesn't doesn't play out. Yeah, there's definitely a fine line between making your villain relatable and compelling enough that your your reader will almost see the villain side of you. You know, the the villain will the the reader will almost relate to the villain, but not quite because you can't make your villain more likable than your hero, because then yeah, you've got uh, yeah. then you've got Breaking Bad really, where the uh, yeah the villains are the good guys in Breaking Bad. Yeah, you might as well just write an antihero if you yeah. want to do that. But I, I think that's the thing that you, you know, you said you read the one that got away and the, you know, the hero and villain in that is you see that the both of them have, have suffered trauma. And I've done that in other books and it's how they respond to similar um, situations. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I always say, you know, you could, my kind of story would be. Uh, the, you know, the hero and villain need fifty thousand dollars each. One is going to go to the bank to get a loan, and the other one's going to go to the bank with a shotgun. Mm -hmm. And you know, and then they're going to clash on that day. And and that I think that's how you want to set up your villain and hero in some respects. Nice, well said. So uh, regarding velocity, would you describe it as a page turner? And what what does a page turner mean to you? Um, I would actually. I, I I just plowed through this thing. Um, I was just engaged in it. I think it's that thing of um, I don't need time to um, process what's happening in the story to keep uh, to keep reading. It's just that thing of like I just have to know what happens next, hmm. and I'm along for the ride. The same way as Billy is kind of reluctantly on a ride. I'm on a um, very much i want to follow this through and see where it goes um and it's just so tightly written there's not a lot of um like you said about um intensity it kind of like sets up pretty quick and then it is it literally is challenge 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 and it's how he how he tries to um circumvent each one so that he doesn't have to make the horrible decision for the for the two people that he has to keep um making a moral decision on and it's just something that is the way it's written that there's not a lot of um if you like internal dialogue as it were you know where this can slow the story down it's everything is in the moment and i think that's what makes um, a page turner yeah there's just something about um opening those mystery boxes which i, I remember reading an interview with jj abrams where he talked about that and i don't know if he coined the phrase but he talked about that's that's how you how you keep an audience interested is you ask a question you open a mystery box and then you you make them suffer and wait to find out what's on the inside of it and that's how you keep people so you keep eyeballs on the screen is what he was talking about but i think that's how you keep people turning the pages is you ask them questions that they have to know the answers to. And that's what drives someone to stay up way past their bedtime to, to read just one more chapter. Yeah. And I, I just think there's also, if, especially with that kind of story set up for, um, for velocity is that you aren't giving 
um, you're not giving the character time for reflection, so you're not giving the reader time for reflection because there's a there literally is a, a ticking clock with every one of these um, challenges that he faces. You know, you've got you know five hours to solve that, and he's trying to you know warn both parties and and this sort of thing. There isn't that time to. Um, you know, sit down and the character, because I think if you're in a panic, which, you know, essentially this character's in a panic for 300 plus pages, um, you aren't thinking, this reminds me of the time when I was a child and my first, <laughs> you know, you don't, you can't go into that. It literally is, <laughs> I've got to get to this place. You know, the action becomes tunnel vision Yeah. Um, in that you don't let things in. And if you want to, if you want a little bit of a, a, a cheat to it is um it's, if you have a page turn it stops the reader from seeing the cracks hmm. because it's like you know you're ripping through it and they might think about it after they've done but but you've already sent them on the roller coaster ride yeah yeah that's interesting i hadn't thought about it like that so compared to the entire breadth of thriller history out there what is the one thing that makes velocity stand above all the others that made it the one you wanted to talk about today? Um, I wanted to talk to it because I thought it was a lesser-known book of Dean Koontz. Um, it was obviously a, a, a bestseller, but I think if if you ask people, name a Dean Koontz book, I don't think they would name this one. Hmm. Um, and the other one is that it was the... the, the um, I wrote a thing for Writer's Digest many years ago uh, about the elements of a thriller and or suspense and one of them is dilemmas and this is the ultimate dilemma book because everything is um do this and this will happen do something else and something else will happen and normally it's you know it's the you know if you can diffuse the situation everybody walks away but in this one it was the ultimate sort of like bad thing bad thing option and I think that was the thing that kind of hooked me is that there wasn't, uh, you know, people are dying because of Billy's decisions. Uh, you know, someone else might be doing it, but his decisions are costing lives. And that's a hard thing for a character to live with. Yeah, it sounds like exactly what uh, what Sean Coyne describes in the story grid where he talks about he called it the best bad choice that you have exactly. to make your hero yeah. face. And this sounds like the very definition of that, where Billy is having to make these horrible decisions one after the other. And, and um, it would be really difficult to choose which of those bad choices is the best one. Does this person die or this person? There's really no way to win there. So yeah, I can imagine. I, my favorite um, Hitchcock movie is Shadow of a Doubt, which is about uh, a teenage girl who's, named after her uncle Charlie, who is idolized by the family, who you find out is a serial killer. And she basically is the only one in the family who realizes this. And then he realizes that she realizes, and then they have this battle to the death. But the film ends on this sort of thing of like, oh, you know, Uncle Charlie is disposed of as a serial killer. Um, but the girl has to live with the with the thing that she will destroy her mother and her family if she tells her that you know that the the family idol is a murderer hmm and that is 
and that is probably it's my favorite hitchcock movie but that is probably the cruelest story out of everything he ever made because it's that thing of you kind of watch it and go oh happy ending and then you sit down and you go no it's not (laughs) she has to live with this shit forever Mm -hmm. either uh, if she destroys her family or she has to bottle up this monster that she is aware of and i've always thought it's like the interesting story be what is young charlie the girl doing in 20 years and i kind of have that same sort of situation with billy it's like what is billy gonna be like today Mm-hmm. After all the carnage and the uh, the bad guy is caught, you know what is the ramification that it, you know that is to the way he sees the world? Because uh, you know some of this stuff doesn't wash off. Yeah. Also, uh, spoiler alert for a fifty-year-old movie. In case anyone should have probably yeah. said that before, but uh, it's it's fifty years old, fifty or sixty years old now. So I think um, the statute of limitations has probably passed yeah, when it comes yeah, to yeah. Uh, spoiling Hitchcock movies. So one more general question about thrillers. What do you think makes a thriller a thriller? Um, for me, I think it's, it's again, it's sort of like the mental setup I have for it was when I wrote this thing for Writer's Digest. I always think of thrillers as preventative and proactive, whereas mysteries are reactive. Um, and a mystery, the, the crime has happened. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the worst thing is happened is happened on on page one, and the rest of the book is trying to solve and you know bring um, order out of chaos from whatever happened on page one. Where thrillers don't, they're trying to uh, come to a conclusion that prevents the big thing. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to stop the assassination of the president, or they're going to stop the you know, the bomb going off or whatever it is, or the bank robbery from happening. Um, so they kind of, the thrill comes from, will they, won't they um, prevent the, the calamity from happening? And I kind of um, like that because that's the, that's the thrill is, you know, is the worst thing ever going to happen? Right. What, uh, what book of yours would you like to talk about today? Um, I, I don't know. That's actually a good one, actually. Um, I, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna talk about Terminated because I think it sort of works in a similar feeling to the the setup for this book. Um, and Terminated is about workplace violence. Um, and it was based on my wife's job or inspired by my wife's job. She inherited a um someone who was perceived as a violent employee made a violent threat and um and that that intrigued me and i started looking into the situation of workplace violence you know of someone going post or something like that uh in the office space and i found that 20 people a week are murdered at work in the u.s wow and i kind of went that's quite a, a sobering thought um and so I started, I found a government website that broke it down by gender and job type, uh, you know, of where the, you know, murders happen at work in the workplace. And that became kind of fascinating. And then I was finding out all different things about the, um, the topic. 
and uh, you know, and you you get either violence with the the person in the cube next to you, or it's um, violence from the outside coming in. And um, and I was just kind of fascinated by the idea of like, how well do you know the person next to you? Mm-hmm. And you might think you have good relations with someone, but it's then you you know as a conflict arises then everything kind of comes to the surface so for um for terminated it's about a woman called gwen who is the boss of a guy called um stephen tarbell who um she has to he believes that he should be doing her job that he should be in charge and um she gives him a, a bad review is annual review and that's the trigger that sets off this thing that he is going to now dismantle her life um and for that sort of symmetry between characters you know that um you discover that gwen had been abducted when she was in college and she had uh, escaped her killer uh, or her, her potential killer and helped convict him but went through that sort of like putting the victim on trial um so she's kind of reluctant to report this after um after uh Stephen makes a physical um threat against her and then um they basically she does report it and the company employs private security to investigate and then once Stephen discovers that he then goes around uh, setting up a campaign that is going to dismantle her life, ruin her reputation, and it, it ends up with when there's when she's got nothing left, uh, then it's a final showdown between the two. Oh well, don't tell us how it ends. I'm not going to. <laughs> um, but it was it was it all came out of what my wife was having to go through at the time, and um, and the fascinating thing was, you know, I like to use Facebook and things to sort of like bounce ideas off amongst, you know, the readers and followers and stuff, and I just asked at the time, I said, has anyone worked with uh, an odd employee or had a, an incident? And it was amazing all the little pieces that came back to me. Hmm. Not necessarily violent, but certainly strange. Um, and I used a bunch of them, you know, these little interesting nuggets to um, to m- make part of of Stephen's character. Wow, that sounds really interesting. Um, that book is called Terminated. You can pick it up yeah. on Amazon, and it looks like it's in Kindle Unlimited. So if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can pick that up for zero dollars, which is pretty yeah. nice if you're in KU. Um, uh, all right, it's on, it's on audio. Uh, yeah, it looks like it's also an audio. Um, do you have one narrator that you like to use, or do you work with different people? Um, I There is somebody I work with uh, on some books. Um, he was hired to read one of my um, books, and then um, I really liked what he did, and we talked, and um, I use him on a few. Um, but usually I don't get any uh, consultation on... on uh, who reads the books? Mm-hmm. I just told oh so and so is doing it, but there's a couple of people I've really enjoyed, and I hope they they do come back for other books or get selected to do other books. Nice. 
Well, Simon, thank you so much for stopping by today to talk about Velocity and telling us about Terminated. And uh, I hope you have a great day. And thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. No worries. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Your Favorite Thriller podcast. I'm Jim Heskett, and if you want to support the show, please rate and review it online and tell a friend who loves thriller books. See you next time.